Welcome to another episode of the Grab Lives Podcast. It's John and me today, and we have a guest who is uh, an MFT that came very highly recommended to us. That's a marriage and family therapist. Her name is Daniela Bora. We're very excited to have her on. Um, Just a reminder that the views and uh, opinions reflected in this podcast don't mirror those of the Los Angeles Fire Department. So Daniela reached out to us about a month ago, and in that time, um, I was approached by several members <laughs> that said, you gotta have my therapist on, she changed my life. And so we became very curious, what is it about Daniela? Why is her word of mouth marketing so amazing? <laughs> and I'll tell you from uh, my own opinion, I mean, she has incredible energy. She's very qualified, she's very credible. She went to Pepperdine, she got her master's, she's had a private practice for several years and today as always we're just going to try to reduce the stigma about uh, reaching out for help identifying things in you that aren't serving you and potentially inspire you to make that phone call uh, to either daniela to anyone you know we we talked about hugo and alejandro we just want you to be aware that we have available resources that can help So today's mission is just to inspire a conversation about the relationship we have with ourselves, the relationship we have with our partners at home, with our children, with our coworkers. So Daniela, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. And, you know, we've been talking for the last 30 minutes. We always do this. Whenever we meet a guest that we really connect with, we start talking immediately and then we forget to press record. But one of the things that I'm most interested in is that you mentioned over 50% of your clients are first responders lafd specifically yeah wow so how did you how did that work how did you meet your first firefighter and and how did the practice expand to kind of being focused on this profession so he knows who he is so he'll definitely feel very you know shouted out when i talk about this Uh, so he came to me i actually don't even really know how he got in contact with me i think he just found me online i have a website and i think he connected with me there um and he trusted me Um, He trusted me with his journey and he uh, trusted me to help him with his healing journey. And he was patient um, because he was my first responder. He was my first first responder. Um, And because I didn't know a lot of the things. I didn't understand the the shifts, the ABC, the, you know, I didn't understand what a lot of the things were. And so when I had questions, he was patient in explaining a lot of those things. And so he had a very transformative experience um, in in therapy and he has grown a lot and has had a lot of healing. Um, And he referred me to some of his peers and it's just kind of spider webbed since then of those people will recommend those people who recommend those people. And it's just kind of spider webbed from that point. So that must feel good. It does. It, it feels really good to have the trust of people who tell their friends. You know? Yeah. And we're not a trustworthy bunch, you know, like everyone has talked about being uh, culturally competent or just kind of understanding who we are and the specific problems that, that we face. You know, I think people in general, right? Like we all have emotional blocks. We all have wounds and trauma, yeah. but there are some, some things that are specific to our industry. Like you mentioned, the schedule is difficult mm-hmm. and you know, it's a compliment to you that you learn so much from that initial relationship. And then yeah. we're able to apply that to, you know, to more and more members, right? Yeah. Because I've been turned off immediately by therapists that are like, just go work at the beach or go ride a helicopter. 
<laughs> and it's never the solutions aren't always that simple, right? Those yeah. require sometimes uh, lateraling to a completely different mm-hmm. department or training and investing a hundred thousand dollars in a helicopter pilot's license. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things that I don't necessarily consider when I'm feeling stuck or burned yeah. out or depressed or considering a divorce or a career change. These are heavy, heavy subjects. Yeah. So the fix isn't necessarily just transfer. I mean, right now at our department, we're not even allowed to transfer. I know. Yeah. So I just, I told you a story. I was at a fire (laughs) and I was riding hydrant and I was about to give my engine water and the guy jumped off the pump uh, to, to relieve me. And he said, Hey dude, I'm a big fan of the podcast and you're having my therapist on, uh, who's Daniela. And I, I just so excited for people to get to know her because she changed my life. It cracks me up. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that kind of energy at a fire, I welcome it all day <laughs> because most times everyone is so stressed out and yelling and spinning out and yeah. like me and this dude just had a quick connection and it got me even more excited to have you on. Yeah. When a, a couple of people have, you know, we've talked about it. I've talked about this with my clients that are firefighters and I'm like, Oh, pressures are on. Like you all know I'm doing this and they're all like excited about it. So I'm like, pressure's on. I better, you know, better make this happen. Better. Yeah. But I mean, you're, <laughs> you already have a huge fan base. And so yeah. well, let's take the pressure off. Let's, yeah. let's talk about if, if I got in touch with you, you know, for a lot of guys like John and I, we've been to therapy. We know, we know yeah. what kind of to expect, but you mentioned trust, right? So that's a big thing. Like I try to rem- remind all our listeners that you're not going to love every therapist. Hundred percent. There's a little bit of a courtship process as far as like, I personally have never been to a female therapist. Yeah. Um, I've had female clinicians guide me through EMDR sessions uh-huh. and hypnotherapy. But when I used to just do talk therapy, it was always with a man. Uh-huh. And I just found I, I was able to open up a little bit more and that, that just it suited my yeah. process. So if I was to come in with, do you do, um, is it just the individual or is it sometimes a couple? I see individuals and couples. Okay. Um, I have seen a couple firefighter set couples and I've also worked with couples that are not firefighter people. Okay. Um, so I have a lot of my training is actually in couples. Yeah. Um, I am Gottman trained, which he's kind of like the he's the relationship guru of our time basically. And so, um, I have a lot of training in the Gottman method and I have an understanding of that. And then when I work with individuals, a lot of what I, the style that I use is called EFIT, which is emotionally focused individual therapy, Mm. which is all attachment science. It's all attachment based. And that comes from Sue Johnson. Uh, but everything, you know, and I was talking to you guys before we, we, we pushed record, uh, everything is relationally based. Like we are who we are in relationships. Like everything that we are is, is comes up in relationships. Like whether it be with our partners, whether it be with our kids, our coworkers, or the captain, you know, whoever, like we show up in relationships. Yes. Okay. So I'm so glad you brought that up because John and I, we do spend time by ourselves. Like that mm-hmm. is crucial for me to develop and to process my life. I'm a bit of a hermit. Mm-hmm. And that's why I found swimming, right? Because swimming is silent and it's just me in the water. And that's my that's my meditation time. But I will say this cuz I'm divorced, okay? And you know, a lot of when we're at work, we're always around people. So I know that a lot of us like to isolate. A lot of us don't always have the luxury of being by ourselves. But after my divorce, I was by myself, right? And I was dating casually. And I found peace in camping and and doing things on my own. But I will say that I've learned so much more about myself when I have when I'm in a relationship. When I met Leah, you know, that was the birth of my vulnerability. 
Yeah. And it was a it was a difficult mirror to manage at times. But I always think back to that time in my single life, right? Between uh, Leah and my ex and how it was comfortable and it was uh, it was quiet. And it was like a bit of a recovery for me after like a, you know, a big emotional uh, journey, you mm-hmm. know, of ending a marriage. But when I was ready, when I was ready to, to expand my comfort zone and, and show up and learn how to be present with another person, that's when the growth really took off. Yeah. We see the most growth with individuals, like in our romantic relationships and with our kids. Yes. I'm on the edge of yeah. welcoming our son in one month. And that is where you will see the most growth is with, again, with like with your partner and then with your new baby, like yeah. as they start to, you know, when they first come into the world, they're just little potatoes, but right. yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> they eventually, you know, they, they have, they will, they will trigger you. Like oh, your kids yeah. will trigger you. Oh, and it's yeah. like, that's a reflection of yourself, right? Yes. Like mm-hmm. when I have a little daughter, she's almost three and like, she does things. And it's like, this is a, when I, when I find myself getting activated by it, it's like, it's a, it's about me. Like, why am I upset that my three-year-old doesn't want to listen to me? Right. Because that nine-year-old version of me feels unheard yeah. that she's not listening to me. Yeah. Like, that is my stuff. It's not about mm-hmm. her. She's three years, almost three years old and wants to continue playing with her magnet tiles. Like, I love that approach. Like the, we're all mirrors, right. Of, of one another. Yeah. And you know, if you don't like what you see, it has to do with something about yourself. It has nothing yeah. to do with that other person. It may stimulate something in you. And then you're like sitting with it. You're like, why am I so attached? And you mentioned attachment mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of the response or reactivity is making you suffer so much because you're Mm -hmm. clinging to it and when we cling to something we're holding on to it for for why we don't we don't even know it's a response so i think a lot of times if you have this uh maybe like a relationship with the reactivity and then you're able to really decide okay well there's something deeper here and i can go into it and this is more just like intuitive thinking for what i do for myself you know and it's just like a relationship that i built over a period of time and i learned that just by going and doing my own work and doing sitting with therapists and having my mentor show me certain things and different pathways of deciding why do I create my own suffering and has everything to do with what we're holding on to. Uh, There's like this meme I think I saw. It's like this, this guy's holding a rope and this rope is like making him bleed because he's holding on to it for so much. And it says that's the art of letting go. And he finally lets go and like his hand begins to heal. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. You're bringing that up, the attachment and all that stuff is really important. There also has to be that willingness though, right? Yes, you know, cause because it comes think- with responsibility. Like you're hearing that everything is about you. It's like, oh shit, okay, I have more work to do. But, yeah, but if we don't do that, then what happens, right? Like if I, if we don't stop and pause and say like, what is happening for me? Then I, then I, you know, and the example of my, my almost three-year-old is like, then I get mad at my daughter, right? I'm like, why yeah. are you not listening to me? Like, and then what do I instill in her? Fear. Like you mm-hmm. don't, you don't actually have autonomy. You don't have choice. Right. So then she grows up in this, in an environment where it's like, it's not about that. Like, I don't want to instill that at all. And right. then we look at that in our relationships, right? Of like, I'm feeling disconnected from my partner. And so if I come at my partner like I need you to connect to me. I need you to do these things. You're not showing up. You're not showing up. Like let's 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 pause for a second. Like what's going on for you? Like yeah. I'm fearful that my partner doesn't care about me right now. Oh my god. 
it's so awesome to hear your perspective because you're absolutely right. And this is, guys, I want you to listen to just the benefit of having a therapist perspective. I mean, Daniela, you went to school for this. This is not sitting next to someone in the rescue. That has an enormous benefit. John and I, we've learned so much about ourselves from conversation, just you know, sharing experiences, but we're not therapists. Yeah. So just even the way that you opened up that perspective to consider fear okay that the reason i reacted that way is because that hit me right Mm -hmm. that was a lot of my process in the last three years was realizing how anxiously attached i was to love realizing how addicted i was to a codependency and realizing how much fear i had Mm -hmm. you know initially when leah and i would fight Oh my God, I would hear my ego, my protector tell me, dude, don't get too invested. Mm -hmm. She's going to break your heart. You're destined to be alone. So any little fight would come in with these like enormous alarms that were were all uh, inspired by fear. And my fear narrative is so fucking dramatic. I mean, I'm picking out the (laughs) RV in in Baja. You know what I'm saying? Saying that's just, that's that's my future. Just living with a dog on a beach. You know, and that's like that that, um, impulse to run and hide. You know, and I think, you know, let's talk about the firefighter persona. I mean, we don't admit to ever having fear. And it's interesting for me, right? Like at work, I'm not afraid. What I'm afraid of is vulnerability. Yeah. And so, like we said, everyone has wounds and trauma and everyone has fear. And so I think it's really beneficial to first be aware and admit that you're a human being and you're allowed to have fear and then investigate what it is, right? Because even though that you're seeing a lot of firefighters, I can imagine that they're not all coming to you with like workplace conflict. Oh my gosh. I feel like maybe five to 10% of what we talk about is actually work stuff. Right? It's right. really not a lot of work stuff. I'm so happy we're finally shifting the narrative to say that, yeah, our job is stressful, but we're, we've all learned how to manage it mostly. What I really need help in is how to communicate. Yeah. How to admit to my partner I don't know everything because yeah. at work we don't say we don't know. Yeah, we you pick, have to find the answer. <laughs> we pick a decision and we go with it. Yeah, yeah. We always say in like in our work, like if there is a huge operation, we always say when something usually goes wrong, the number one thing is communication. Yeah, that's when something really goes wrong. When there's some issue with that, it creates a, a ripple effect into the entirety of the operation on so many different levels, and it goes into like our relationships as well. That's the hardest part about our relationships is opening up and communicating, speaking your truth, and knowing when to do it, mm-hmm. when not to do it, and once you start to establish. Because some maybe some uh, ground ground rules, boundaries, foundational work to work from. A lot of times, people don't know how to build that yeah. foundation because we're just kind of figuring it out. You know, I mean, we're we go it off 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 our parents and like learning from their mistakes, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And Trevor and myself always say we it's hard to learn from our parents because they weren't that great of like a a model to oh, go man. off. Of. I threw that playbook out when I was ten years old. But some of that is like ingrained, right? Absolutely. And so so we have to to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like we we want so badly to like reject these things. But at the same time, we, I really try to look at things like with like a non-pathologizing lens Mm. in the sense that, and pathologizing meaning like abnormal, like nothing we do is really abnormal, honestly. Like people react 
and people have behaviors that serve them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We label them as like dysfunctional or unhealthy or pathologizing it like, oh, you're bad because you do these things. Right. But it's like, what is the deeper wound underneath there? For you know, sure. like you brought up like the sex addiction and we, you know, like I know you've talked with, with Hugo about, you know, other addictions. It's like those that it's serving some sort of wound within us and so that's where we have to go is i'm not here to say like oh you bad person for you know being addicted to xyz it's like let's look at that pain there because if we can look at that pain there's a ripple effect to that if we can and if if i can create a safe space in my office for you to look at that pain then we have the we can work through some of that healing. Yeah, and man, that healing is so fun. Like when <laughs> oh. you have a breakthrough, when you realize, holy shit, that's what I was blocked about. I mean, that's the beauty of having relationships, right? Yeah. Is because I used to, I used to think I knew everything, and then Leah would provide an alternative perspective, and I was just like, holy shit, that's more accurate. Yeah, you know. And so the gift of coming in and speaking so with someone who's trained, right, who's educated, and who's um, trustworthy. Yeah. You know, I can imagine like, oh, I want to mention too, you don't do Zoom. I, You're doing well, I, in, I can, you but can. I, pr- I prefer to do in person. Even when like COVID first hit, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not. I love I'm that. Sorry, but the magic sorry happens the face to down, face, <laughs> you know, and like, yeah, look, sure. if, if it if it's more in line with um, your comfort to make a phone call to the UFLAC Center for Health and Wellness, do that. That's better than nothing. Yeah. But Trust me when I tell you that the opportunity to speak to Daniela in person is a rare luxury nowadays, <laughs> right? And and let's go over some of the logistics, okay? Because I have a feeling you're going to get a lot of phone calls after this episode. <laughs> so you are out of net. You are out of network. Yes, but. I'm out of network, but I do, I take insurance in the sense of I do the billing on behalf of the client. Okay, and, so and that is such have, a gift because yeah. that's a headache to, to hope that you get reimbursed with a super bill. Yeah, so people that have never been to therapy might not even know what that means. So what that means is when you come to therapy, there's a fee to coming to therapy. And so if someone is out of network, a lot of times what therapists do is they they require that the client pay the full fee ahead of time. Oh, and, and then, it's expensive. That's it why is, I think is. a lot of people are like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I basically don't make the clients pay, pay the full fee. I just uh, require them to pay a small copay and then I do the billing on their behalf and then I deal with all the insurance. Oh, that's so such a gift. So it's, I just need basically insurance card and for you to sign some papers. I love it. So that's what Hugo and I discussed too, is like if you're already stressed, you don't need the stress of billing or scheduling or, you know, like it's just, it's alleviating a lot of the pressure that yeah. comes with, okay, I'm already hurting yeah. and I don't really understand if I can afford this or yeah. I don't understand, you know, if I'll get reimbursed. Cause it is, you're investing in yourself, not just financially, but emotionally, like even yeah. carving out space mm-hmm. saying, you know what I deserve to speak to someone is a big step. It is. And so we want to make that as easy as possible. And it sounds like you are. I mean, I do my best. I mean, my whole entire schedule book is A, B, C, yeah. A, B. Yeah. <laughs> that was so like, funny when you when we were trying to schedule you in, you ba- you basically said, oh, we're doing the podcast on a C-shift day. Yeah. And I was like, she already knows our schedule. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. It works out. I mean, that's how my schedule, I mean, that's how my entire book looks. And, you know, when I'm, when someone contacts me for the first time, that's one of the first questions I ask is like, what shift are you on? So yeah. I can, you know, so we don't have to go back and forth in this like weirdness of, oh, you're on, you know, whatever. So I try to make it as easy as possible with understanding where people are coming from. And I, and I get it. I know how the shift schedule works. So. Yeah. So 
you know, we always look at things from the lens of we are firefighters. And so on my own curiosity is like, what are the trends in our industry? And I know that they're not always so specific. Like I know that other people, no matter what their job is, that they have uh, potential for behavioral addictions. Mm -hmm. But in your experience, is there something about our profession that makes us even more inclined to have behavioral addictions? Like we brought up the sex thing like yeah you know firefighters I, I mentioned earlier when i first got hired i heard cops are beaters and firefighters are cheaters <laughs> and it made me laugh when i was like first on you know and now it doesn't make me laugh like yeah. both of those are horrible reputations yeah. and so you know we've discussed that there is a likelihood for behavioral addiction is it encouraged or not encouraged but like is it do you think it's more supported because of what we do for a living? I don't know. I think that's a tough question. You know, and I actually, because I saw the video that you posted on Instagram. And so I was like, I don't know if there actually are higher numbers of like, you know, we're talking about like, you know, cheaters and things like that. From my understanding, there's no difference, actually. There actually isn't a difference in like the rates of cheating among firefighters. They, I don't really know why that stigma is, but they've done some research and they've done some surveys around this and it doesn't appear that there is higher rates yeah. of cheating. Um, so I don't, I really don't know why that that stigma is there. I love it. Well, good. We're evolving this reputation. (laughs) You know, it's probably from a long time ago. You know, I know Leah didn't know anything about my career, right? When she got with me. So she didn't understand the schedule (laughs) and, you know, she didn't, she had a lot of questions, you know, initially she was like, wait, so you're interacting with nurses all day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a little bit of uh, suspicion. I think anytime you are a part from your partner, you know, for 24 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours. I mean, we mentioned, we mentioned fear. Yeah. Sometimes that can feed, you know, fear a little bit. Yeah. And I think that part of that comes from like the connection, right. Of like, if I, if I'm running calls nonstop for 72 hours and like, I haven't connected with my partner at all, like mm-hmm. that's going, my partner's that, that is at home potentially is like, I don't, I'm missing that connection. I'm missing that person Right. where, you know, you've been go, go, go for 72 hours. You haven't even created space to have a missed connection because you're just you know running running on fumes essentially um whereas the person at home is like i'm i'm lacking that connection Mm -hmm. and so they there is that feeling of like i'm missing i'm missing that person so how do i how do i have that connection then how do i connect to my partner when they are gone for 72 hours like that's a tough i just looked up some of the data here for divorce rates and it says uh it's about 25 percent and it used to be 50 percent in the 90s from what this uh, this had taken in. It actually says women firefighters are about 40% inclined to get divorced, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are the numbers for the country? You know, not even industry specific. I think since I was a child, it's been above 50%. Yeah, I think it's around like 52% or something like that. I don't know. I don't really keep up with all that stuff because I don't. It looks like it's been going down. You're in the so, healing business. You're not yeah. in the divorce business. Yeah. I, to me, I'm like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, I don't care what yeah. the divorce rate is in the sense of like, if someone comes in, they want to work on their marriage, even if their marriage is like in complete shambles, I'm like, we're working to, we're working to work this. Like, yeah. yeah. So John brought up a real, I love this word. I love reactivity, you know, because that's been a huge part of my process is like, I, I mentioned to you yesterday, I got off a busy 48 and I came home and I slept way too much. I took a five hour nap and Leah's, you know, 35 weeks pregnant and she kind of poked me and she was like, Hey, I miss you. And you know, I'm used to her missing me. Right. 
but I still had, you know, things I had to do. And so I woke up and I was packing my bag to go for a swim and, and she stopped me and she said, I need you. And I immediately dropped my swim bag and I gave her a big hug and I said, I'm yours the rest of the day. And because it was the reframing of that narrative, it was, I need you, not I miss you, right? Because we can, we can get by with missing each other, yeah. but needing, that's, that, that hit me, right? And so I was really proud of my reaction to her because it was instinctual. I just dropped my bag and I gave her a big hug. And I think when you start to see yourself reacting to similar situations in a different way, that is so empowering. There's so much growth involved in that because when you talked about your partner hitting you up when you're at a busy station or on a busy shift and they say, I miss you, I used to react differently to that. I used to feel threatened by Mm. that. It was almost like it was provoking me to respond, well, I'm here making money. Mm. I'm, I'm here doing my best to provide. And, and it's so funny that I, I mean, I'm embarrassed, you know, that I ever reacted that way, but it was because I felt like I, I'm doing my best, right? And that's when you, whenever you feel threatened, you know, or, and you're fearful that you're doing your best and people are still dissatisfied, that for me as a perfectionist, that's triggering. Yeah. You know? And a trigger underneath that is the perfectionism, yeah. is the like, I, like the inadequacy yes. of like, so when that is, when that's tapped into, that's what's coming up is like, uh, she misses me. I'm, I'm, I'm lack. I didn't do something. I didn't, right. I didn't show up enough for her. Right. So I have to like, I have it's to, it's a report you know, card. I, and what happens happened for you and that is like there's the defensiveness that comes up of like i'm doing everything i can i'm yes. providing for the family da, 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 da. It, where the opposite of like okay now we've done some growth we've done some yeah. work and it's i can hear you yes. and you are not calling me inadequate for saying no. for saying that you've missed me you're saying i want to connect with you because i love you and you're allowed to miss me yeah. you're allowed to miss me if i'm busy or not Mm-hmm. And that's, I saw, John, you bring up a meme, man, I need to get off Instagram, but it's tough because I'm managing the account and I, I see a lot of memes and I saw this one where it was split into two halves. So the top half was wildland firefighters getting their butts kicked, you know, and like working hard. And then the bottom half was a, a cartoon of a woman on her phone saying, I'm going to start a fight for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, dude, your partner is allowed to text you no matter where you are, yeah. you know, and that's, that's come, I think my perspective in that has come with a lot of growth and communication. Leah and I going through challenges is that like, it's just a job. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not off limits from the world because I chose to be a first responder. Yeah, She can hit me up. She can, she can voice her concerns, you know, and it's my responsibility to tell her, Hey babe, I'm too busy to invest in this. I'm too busy to hear you right now. Yeah. But let me come back to you in two hours once I get dinner. Mm-hmm. And I promise I can't wait to hear what you want to tell me. Yeah. And I think that setting, like, it's so important to have those boundaries around ourselves, right? Of like, I don't have the space right now to yeah. show up for you in the way that you are, that in the way, one, that you're needing and two that I want to show up. For yes. You. And you know, cause when we don't set those boundaries, we attempt to show up with the, you know, 10%, you know, capacity that we have. Right. And then a lot of the times we don't, we don't meet the need. Right. And so then it fuels the other per cause the other person feels that, right? Like they're your partner, they get it or they feel you. And so they're like, why are they not connected to me? what's happening? They're disconnected. They're distant. And right. then we have this cycle. They cycle back into that, going back into the fear. Like you're disconnected. I need you. What's going on? And then the, 
you as a firefighter typically shut down and then we distance and then we have this like it's like a dance that yeah, we do yeah yeah it's why um, there's like this famous line timing's everything right yeah. but when the timing isn't right in your favor that causes that reaction yes I, you're I, absolutely I, if it's not convenient <laughs> for yeah. you yeah and it's kind of funny the way it shows up that way you with Haley and myself and our relationship, we have kind of come in tune that, you know, she doesn't feel heard because I think sometimes the timing's not there where I'm in a place to really listen to her because I make excuses mm. and that's something I have to look into. And I, I have over a period of time, I've noticed it and it's only because she brought it up. Yeah. If she had not spoken up about it and said, Hey, you know what? You shut me down mm. and I don't feel good about this. And it, to me, my reaction is like, well, fuck, I can't mm-hmm. even like, you know, think right now. I'm, I'm tired and I'm, I'm yeah. hungry and this X, Y, and Z. But those are all excuses. In the end, if I let her have her stage and I, and I give her and I worship the stage for her, it really allows her to feel safe. It, feels, um, it gives her the ability just to be vulnerable and to speak her, her voice. And that's one of the most important parts is speaking your voice. And when you allow to push everything aside, your agendas and your ideas of what needs to be done right now, or you just let it all go because right now is time for your partner to speak their voice. And that allowance of speaking your voice is that's a currency you have in a relationship that pays off so much more where you don't have fights anymore, where you don't have arguments about something because you're allowing yourself to be integral with the relationship to receive the currency of letting someone speak to you. Yeah. And like, I love how you mentioned, you know, just the mirrors. It's so valuable. Sometimes I want to punch the fucking mirror <laughs> straight up because I'm tired of looking at them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it, it's just so vulnerable to do it, uh, to look at yourself sometimes and then see your partner at the same time. And that's, and we have to, you know, if we, if we want to grow, we have to look in the mirror. Otherwise we just stay stuck. Yeah. We just stay stuck. And then our relationship also won't grow because of that. If we stay stuck. So. Yeah, I've noticed the, the growth always comes from um, that number one willingness and then opening up. Mm-hmm. And opening up is a very frightening thing for people because it, it's an unknowing of the beyond. What could happen? What wound am I going to touch? Or what is she going to touch? Or he's going to touch? Whatever it is. And that openness is like, we talked about it, like it's the next part of your growth because you're stepping into a bit of fear, but at the same time, you're stepping into a bit of courage Mm -hmm. and that courage will overcome it no matter what. And my biggest uh, thing right now is openness and it's showing me how much more I have to grow. Mm -hmm. And I've just noticed with my own personal relationship with myself, that's what was blocking me with receiving Haley's love. And because it showed, once I stepped into the openness with myself, I realized there's some lack of self-acceptance with myself. And once I fully accepted myself, then I was into this state of understanding, now I can fully receive love. And it's just like this, a constant ebb and flow with the self-relationship and in the relationship that requires this, um, I don't know, it's just like this if you kind of zoom out a little bit, you can see it and it, you're not so caught up in the uh, emotional reactivity with it. You can just really embrace all of it. Um, but when we're caught up in, our, in the muck of things and we're stuck and we're just crawling through mud, uh, let's say getting off a shift or whatever, you can't uh, really see it. And so sometimes zooming out a little bit and just discovering what lessons can I learn? What lessons can I just um, 
grow from with that open response. And you, you know, you're lucky to be in a relationship where you have a partner who, who is also in a space of self growth. And, you know, I think right. that that we have to recognize that relationships are dyadic, right? Like there's two, there's two people. And so being in relationship with someone who is going to also have that openness to growth, I think is really important because, you know, we can, we can grow and want to change and, and really heal ourselves. But when we go in back into potentially a relationship or a home system or whatever that be, is toxic, like it is sometimes really hard to hold on to that. Like it makes it, you know, walking up that mountain that much harder. Uh, so not, hard. not saying that it's impossible, but, you know, being in relationships with people who, or families of with people who are also willing to do that work with you is where you'll see that exponential growth um, rather than just doing it uh, like on your own. Yeah, and it's you know it's a luxury that I don't take for granted, and I always try to be sympathetic to anyone who's in a relationship that does have those challenges, yeah. right? Because sometimes we'll you know on the rescue or on the engine we'll talk about some things that came up for us at home, right? And sometimes I'll hear, you know, someone's partner's reaction and I'll be like, whoa, that's so different than Leah. But I'm really cautious. I'd never want to overstep and encourage anyone to like end their relationship or, you know, like that's not for me to decide. I will say I was on a path of growth with someone that wasn't. And ultimately I ended that Mm -hmm. relationship and I found someone that we grow together and my life is a lot better, you know? So I can speak from kind of both experiences, you know? And I know, and I think I remember you talking, I don't remember which podcast it was on, but like you had to like work through that fear to let go of that relationship. Oh my also, God, I felt because, so guilty. Because there's so much stigma of like, I'm, am I supposed to just like suck it up, yeah. just continue to go through it? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, I think that there's a lot of that of like we, you know, people find themselves in, in a in a growth path and potentially their their partner or, you know, whoever might not be on that. They might need, yeah. and you know, sometimes we see this, we see this with system, systems of like, I actually need my partner to stay unhealthy because I'm unhealthy. Oh yeah, and yeah, enabling. If they, if they if they become healthy, I'm now I have to either look at my stuff and I don't want to. Right. So I need you to stay in this cycle with me. Um and so you you had to let go of that, right? Like you yeah. had to let go like, and there's like that fear around that of like okay, like I have to let go of these, you know, the shame around like I, you know, I, had to get a divorce or you know whatever it's like you had to work through that to get into your own path of like i have to take i on my own regardless of what's around me have to grow yeah and it's it came with the realization of this is my life you know and i don't want to be this unhappy Mm -hmm. you know like i just i was so full of fear and anxiety and i mentioned you know i was always flirting with nurses and i was i was desperate for a connection you know um and it took me connecting with myself to really put my life on a brand new trajectory. And, you know, John, you brought up having that fear and also the, the courage that comes from connecting with yourself. The way to navigate that is compassion. So when I'm compassionate with myself, I'm way less likely to get defensive, mm-hmm. you know, cause like shit just doesn't threaten me. 
when I know that I'm going to choose me no matter what, because that was a big part of my process was not just loving myself when I performed perfectly, but showing myself unconditional Mm -hmm. love. And you, you know, I love how you reframe something before we started recording. I said to you, Hey, you know, John just posted this amazing drill reminding us to live in the present moment. And it's something I don't struggle with off duty. I love the present moment off duty, but at work when the present moment is, you know, reeking of urine and trying to spit in my face a lot of times i'll try and escape that and i don't like that feeling of you know being stuck at work but you know picturing the four day or you know just like the thought of lying in my own bed i don't i don't often love the feeling of running away from the present moment but what you told me was it it, just acknowledging just having the awareness of wow this present moment is challenging me or it's difficult for me to be in this present moment and that's okay Mm -hmm. that is such a healthy way to reframe things because i think we're you know as men and as as firefighters we're very quick to judge things you know and like i am not good at stillness i'm not good at letting go these are all things i've had to practice and exercise and we're very resilient and we're very quick to judge you know and so if i'm uncomfortable typically my my reaction is okay it's impulsive i don't like the way i'm feeling so i'm going to judge it say that's bad and i'm going to try to feel differently immediately right that's why turning to your your phone at night when you're up five times after midnight to to look at porn because it's you know it's rocket fuel for your tank and i'm so flatlined that i just need like a a injection of i need a hit i need a hit of dopamine You know, and so I think what comes in this process is being comfortable with discomfort. I say that often. You do? Okay, cool. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I tell clients, like, if you thought therapy was going to be fun, I mean, like, (laughs) I don't want it to be an awful, like, torturous experience. But like, you know, like, we are going into pain points. Like, we're going into wounds. Like, and we know that wounds don't feel good. But the only way that we can heal is to is to go into the wound you know yeah, john use, what do you like to say the only way out is through that's right yeah. and the wound is where the light enters yeah, yeah. yeah. you know like i use the example it's like a, it's <laughs> like a, through. A, a bullet hole you know like we have like or like a bullet wound it's like we can put a band-aid on it to stop the bleeding but it's like until you take that bullet out like mm-hmm. you're not actually going to heal and right. so like you can keep stitching the wound up but like there's some shit down there that like we really need to get out. <laughs> yeah, or reading it's a little un- bit of surgery. Yeah, you know? Untethered yeah. Soul taught me that if you think that you can put a Band-Aid on a gunshot yeah. wound and not react to the pain of that wound when someone just accidentally brushes that mm-hmm. Band-Aid, you're doing them a disservice. Yeah. If you're walking around with all these Band-Aids and these like major wounds that require deep therapeutic surgery and you're expecting everyone to be cautious of all these band-aids and yet when they accidentally brush up against one of your band-aids you're reacting like they shot you again yep you need to become responsible for your wounds and and do them a favor because they're just brushing up against a band-aid they didn't even know it was there they didn't know the band-aid was covering up a gunshot wound and that's the the power the word too for it was samskara that's the word used in untethered soul which was, uh, it basically means inner scarring that you have yeah. that you're tearing away at. And when you start going through that scar tissue, it 
it fucking really hurts. And I, you know, I don't think it's anyone's job, right, to know what our wounds are. Like, quite honestly, if you don't communicate them, it's definitely not their job to read your mind. Hundred percent. You know, I can't expect my partner to know what my wounds are. And, yeah, from your if, past before you even met them. And if we expect that, like, we are no wonder we're going to be doomed to fail because like our partners can't read our mind. Right. But, and I have to show up and be vulnerable enough to be able to communicate and say like, Hey, like when, when it's been 72 hours and I haven't heard from you, like that doesn't feel good for me. Like, this is what it, it, it makes me feel, you know, like I've, I've been had issues in my past of like abandonment or mm-hmm. whatever. And so like, when I don't hear from you for a really long time, like that's what that taps into. I know you're not going anywhere, but I just need you to know that like, this is what that taps for me yeah. as a partner who's going to be open. Thank you for telling me that. Like, right. I never want you to feel that way. I'll be conscious of that, but it's also not my job to, to mend my partner's triggers, right? I'm just going to be mindful of them and I'm going to know them. I'm going to, my partner gives me information and I get to choose how do I work with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I like to thank Leah for triggering me. I didn't always, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't see it that way, Yeah. but now she's, she's pointing something out that I, I, I want to work on because I don't want to be defensive. You know what I mean? I don't want to participate in this ongoing cycle of defensiveness, anger, shutdown. And you're hitting on two of the big ones. Uh, so I mentioned, I think earlier, Gottman, uh, John Gottman, he's one of like the relationship gurus of our time. And he has, uh, he's coined these four basically really bad things in relationships. He calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And defensiveness <laughs> is one of, and these are the things that predict divorce. Of like how off, Every relationship has these, but how often we have these in relationship and how we repair them is the predictors of like the success of a relationship and defensiveness is one of them. Okay. Uh, stonewalling is the other, mm. which is like, I just kind of shut down. Um, contempt and criticism. Like those are the four main things like that we see in relationships that cause the demise or, or just, you know, not a successful relationship. And yeah, my like, biggest one is shutting down. Like I, I just, I years of past relationships i would just just disassociate and just completely shut down mm-hmm. because i didn't want to deal with it sometimes i didn't have the energy to deal with it so yeah. i just would be like fuck off yeah you know and that's just a bad response but now i'm learning that's my response and to work through that one of them is to recharge for from being off a long shift mm-hmm. i have to recharge by myself yeah it has nothing to do with the relationship so yeah. gaining a relationship with myself has shown me that i need that but it has nothing to do with the relationship. But if I do that in an argument or inside of a conflict, that's showing me that's something I have to work on. So now what I use to replace that is that openness because that's what counteracts with that response or that behavior. And the behavior looking into it has everything to do with, number one, my my mother wouldn't have abandonment. Yeah. And being afraid of being hurt again and having my parents be divorced and seeing them uh, lose it all and, and the whole entire family had been torn apart so that's where that wound comes from at Mm -hmm. least i am aware that what the root cause is is that Mm -hmm. and now i can move forward on making some building blocks with some better uh concepts of reality that i could change it with uh but disassociating is definitely hard and at least i don't do it with alcohol now and i used to do it with alcohol yeah because i just would numb myself yeah and then it would get worse to the point where no, there would be no emotional response, no, no thinking around the subject. I would just shut down completely with with a substance. Yeah, I think alcohol plays into our resiliency. So, like I've noticed for me, right? I used to drink a lot, and if I came home 
after a 72 on no sleep was like, I was halfway there. I was already like sort of shut down emotionally. And I was like, I'm just going to encourage that feeling even more, um, without the judgment, you know? So I'm just going to numb myself with a big bottle of whiskey. Yeah. And now I'm not as afraid of changing direction. So that like I become more of a fluid person. Like I, I'm not just accepting, oh, I got my ass kicked for 72. So I might just well just like waste this day with like a bullshit recovery like booze. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I need to go jump in the water. Yeah. And that's that's how I reset now. But, I mean, that's like the idea of like victim mentality, right? Of like, uh-huh, I, can't, yes. I can't, I can't do anything about yeah. it. I had to work 72 hours. Like, woe is sure. me. So then I'm going to yes. just like give into that of, well, okay, I'm going to go drink some whiskey and I'm knock so, out for five I'm hours. so glad you brought that up because it's honestly like, okay, so I've been a victim before, right? And it's something I've really worked on unlearning mm-hmm. um, because there's not a lot of, um, like inspiration or motivation that comes like, like I, I believe in being magnetic and I love when I'm being kind and kindness finds me. Mm-hmm. And so acting like a victim and just imagining whatever frequency that's putting out, yeah. I'm not really getting help when I say that I don't deserve it or like no one gets me or no yeah. one has it as bad as me. Like yeah. no one's rushing in to help that person and not even parts of me. You know what I mean? Like when I am not grateful, when I am not compassionate, when I'm not forgiving, the parts of me that will come in and knock my ego off his place, you know, they're just like, okay, what can I, I can't even deal with this guy right now. Yeah. I'm not going to get through to him and this victim mindset. So I'm just going to wait. Yeah. And I mean, the unfortunately, the job that you guys have, like there's a, there's an element where it's like you, you are victim to your circumstance, right? Like you can't help if you have five after seven after and if you you know don't sleep at all and so it's like when you come home it's like how how do you how do you navigate that like yes you just got your teeth kicked in like you didn't sleep at all so how do you how do you move through that how do you advocate for yourself without being that victim mentality of like don't ask me to take out the trash i didn't sleep for 24 hours like how dare you right well wait a minute like how could we show up and be like, hey, babe, like I got my teeth kicked in last night. Like I need to knock out for two hours and then I will be here to do what you need me to do. Well, I think that's a reaction, right? Like we, that reaction could now, now it's going to ruin the whole four day. We're yeah. talking about not ruining your four day. Yeah. Just come home. And the moment you react, it's just like we said, it's a mirror. And if we can keep from reacting, that's why we instill some of these practices you can use and if it doesn't work for you, find your own. Yeah. Because no one's going to do that for you. Yeah. And if you continue to react, it's just going to, it's going to, it's a cycle. It's going to continue and continue and continue till what? We don't know. We and everyone's different. I mean, I like the advice you gave. Communicate that. Yeah. That is like the simplest advice, right? If you're feeling like a victim, like I, I'll tell Leah that, you know, like some, some days I'm like, Hey babe, I'm having a rough day. Yeah. I'm feeling really sorry for myself and I don't like how this feels. Yeah. So just know if I'm a little quick to, to react, it's cause I'm processing something, but let me, let me go do this. Let me go sit in the sauna or let me go jump in the water. Let me just take space on the patio or whatever 
and I'm going to work through it and then I'm going to come back to you. And you know, most healthy relationships, like that's okay, right? Like yeah. we can, when we communicate that, like our partner doesn't go into that like fear mode of like, oh my gosh, they don't care about me. They don't, you know, they don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Most, you know, healthy relationships, there's, there's space for that. And being able to even communicate, uh, Brene Brown actually just put something oh, I out love her. Um, a couple, I think it was either a couple weeks ago, or, uh, time's kind of funny right now, but about how she, her and her husband, they communicate like what uh, uh, the number that they're at. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you had someone else talking about that too. I, like, I remember that one because she was saying like, if your partner's at an 80, then you can be at a 20. Yeah. But if you're both at a yeah. 20, then don't try to find, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't plan your honeymoon. You exactly. Know? And so like, how do we communicate? Of like, I'm coming home and I have about 5% to give this relationship. Yeah. So if we are in a healthy relationship, like our partner's gonna say, okay. I'm gonna like, step up. I have, I have, yeah. I have the 95% to give right now. Or you come home after a shift and you're like, Leah, I'm at a 10% and she's had, you know, she has a four week old that woke up seven times last night. And she's like, well, I have a 7% right now. Oh, she wins. Not only only does she win, but it's like, okay, like how do, okay, we're both feeling low. Yeah. So we know that. So I'm probably. Can a four week old make me breakfast? I haven't had a kid before. (laughs) No, Leah will be making the baby (laughs) breakfast. (laughs) Um, So the, you know, the idea is like, how do we, how do we work together to be like, okay, we are both like, we are operating on empty. So I need to be mindful. Like I can't ask you to do all these different things because I can't take care of you because I got to take care of myself within this. Yeah. We have to talk about how do I how do I bring my five up to a twenty, up mm-hmm. to a forty, up yeah. to a fifty, so I can show up in this relationship. Um, and I think you know some people. I think that that could be really a good tool for them to Absolutely. like be able to communicate. That. Absolutely. Um, and without the expectation that your partner is always going to carry you, like you know, it's it go it's a give and take your partner is not always going to be able to give 50%. And this idea that relationships are 50, 50 is crap. Like relationships are not 50, 50. They're not like some days I'm going to have, I'm only going to have a 20% to give. And some days my partner's also going to only have 20% to give, but it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything bad. It just means, okay, like we got to take care of ourselves because our relationship needs to also grow and we need to we need to nourish ourselves to be able to nourish the relationship. Yeah, Haley and myself, we have a special relationship where there's not much words to use. It's intuition. And I think when you get to that point, it's really beautiful. But by the same token, you gotta still communicate. And I know when, when Haley is at a ten, she doesn't have to say anything, but she's afraid to say it. Mm. And I'm I'm I'll come up to her and be like, hey, what's going on? Or, you know, what can I do for you? And I know intuitively that I'll do these things. My, my biggest, um, uh, love language is acts of love or gift giving. Acts and, of service. Yeah. Acts of service. Yeah. Right. And so I'll do that for her. You know, I'll give her, I'll say, Hey, go upstairs, make your bath and then meditate after her, do your practice. And then sometimes we both need it and we both know, Hey, we are going to both do our practices on opposite sides of the house and we'll come together after recharged, ready to go through whatever we need to go through. And like intuition comes with a lot of practice Mm -hmm. with your partner. And if you're going to continue with that intuitive space, you also can't assume at the same time that communication has to kind of come through at the same time. But it's really important to step into what your acts are going to suffice for um, whatever the imbalance is at the time being. And I know it for her without a doubt. I know what she needs and I know that I can set that up for her. 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, as you're saying that, they're like, I think that for some people that could be a little dicey, right? And like thinking that you can anticipate the needs or, you know, feelings of someone else, like you, that it is a practice, right? Like it is a yeah. practice and you do have to communicate through that practice. Because if I believe I know what you need, I'm going to just respond to that and that might not actually resonate. No, I mean, sure. I, I know like even in, in sessions, like there's been times where I'll be like, you know, this is probably how that feels for you. Da, 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 da. And I will ask, like, I'm like, how does that land for you? Like, how do, how does that resonate with you? Because like, I would imagine, like my intuition is like the way your body is responding to this is communicating to me. Like you are tense about this. Like you are having anxiety around this and I'll check in. And it's like, no, that's not actually, I don't feel anxious about it. I feel sad. I feel disconnected. Yeah. I feel, you know, whatever it may be. So like there's, I think that there has to be through intuition, there has to be communication around it. So and that, that has so come that you're up not missing. where yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm setting something up, you know, to help her. And then in the end, I don't need to do anything. Yeah. She just needs me to love her. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I was doing acts of service, uh, initially in our relationship that weren't the acts that she was requesting. Yeah. I was just making more work for myself, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't comfortable asking her, right. Yeah. We didn't have the communication style that we do now. Mm-hmm. And so I was guessing yeah. and I didn't, I didn't like the feeling of not knowing. And so I was like, I, I love being a hard worker. I love being a servant, you know, like this is why I, I think I chose this profession. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm just going to do a million things and she'll like one of them, but that, it's so not is, efficient. And it probably is what resonates for you. Oh, right? for sure. We, anxiously, anxiously we, attached. We, <laughs> we, you know, talking about like love languages, like we speak our own language. And so yeah. like, if you, if you like to be loved through acts of service, you typically are going to give that back. Like that is a language that we speak, but in yeah. relationship, we have to learn to speak the language of our partner. Absolutely. Like if, if my partner is a gifts person, mm-hmm. I have to learn to speak that. If, yeah. if I want my partner to understand and to feel that depth of love, I'm going to have to come home with a Reese's Pieces because she loves Reese's Pieces and I had to stop and get gas. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I think these are fun conversations to have with your partner. Like I once made, we, we had like a meeting where we sat down. I think I brought this up with Kendall um, where we just like wrote down specific acts of service or specific acts of physical touch. Because as mm-hmm. a man, if I hear yeah. that my partner loves physical touch, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, we're gonna have a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is that there's all different forms of intimacy yeah. in the category of physical touch right now our favorite thing to do because leah's 35 weeks pregnant and very uncomfortable you know her body's changing all these things so i'll sit behind her in bed and i'll give her like an hour neck massage and i set the environment you know i put on we have you know different colored lights and i put on a relaxing massage playlist and i i even joke around like i do like some role playing like she's the last appointment at my spa you know what i mean (laughs) So we have the place to ourselves if, <laughs> if, <laughs> if it, it goes there. there. Yeah, exactly. If you're <laughs> if happy with the, the work. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I had to explore different opportunities to connect yeah. in the category of physical touch, yeah. right? Because all these assumptions we're making, they're limitations. Like if, you, if you're with your best friend and you know you're going to struggle and because all relationships require work, well then do the work. Yeah. Sit down and find out the specific physical touch you know, uh, acts or like the, get so these, to know, these are get, the five love languages, acts of service, <laughs> quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch and receiving gifts. Yes, we know. 
<laughs> so I just want to, for all the other listeners, we got to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what no, I mean? for sure. You got to lay it out. And, e- and within each of those, there's like different dialects. As I didn't well. know about this until someone had brought it up to me. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. There's different, and there's, again, there's different dialects within each of them. So, I mean, there's a whole book. It's by John. John Gary Chapman, sorry Gary Chapman. Um, he it's a great, honestly, it's a really great book. Um, and he's come out with so many different versions now. There's uh just normal five love languages. There's five love languages for singles. There's five love, love languages for kids. Um, it's actually it's really cool to like if you're in a relationship to like just be curious about that. Of, I love like, it. Yeah. Of, like I've been showing up in this relationship. What I've you know what if I've I've been showing you love in the way that I know, but like is that the way that you feel? Right. It? It's been convenient for yeah. me, but it might not be hitting yeah. the mark on you. And yeah. that's I love what you're saying is like have intention. You know, like if people find you as a therapist, like their intention is to improve. Yeah. Their intention is to get to know themselves. And like that's changed everything in my life for instance like when you're talking about these great books right to read or whatever you know i'm thinking wow do i even have enough time Mm -hmm. for that but here's the thing right when you start changing your diet when you start eating healthy foods you don't reach for candy as often and so that's what i would say is like as i you know strengthen my intention in my relationship and i think a lot about being a good partner and and father it's like that's what i want to ingest yeah that's what i want to feed my soul and so i'm less likely to just cruise instagram because i have an hour so what am i gonna what's my intention is my intention to learn about my partner or just scroll instagram and it's like you start to become more mature and responsible as far as like what you're feeding yourself and that's intentional is the exact word of like how do because social media phones while they are wonderful, they are also like the demise of society. <laughs> right? Like, Someone, like, dude, just, just the other day, I was driving five miles an hour through a parking lot and some dude almost ran into my car because he was on his phone. Yeah. And I just thought, I watch a lot of nature documentaries and I'm like, dude, you're you're the baby penguin just falling off the cliff. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> wake yeah. up. You know what I mean? Like That's nature really is so unforgiving and it's helped provide me with such a valuable perspective yeah. on just humans being a part of this uh, ecosystem. Yeah. And man, these animals are dumb. That's like funny. if you're walking around and you're going to hit a car because you're on your phone, dude. <laughs> It's it's a balance, right? I mean, with everything, and you could use that as a tool. Or it could be just a, a shortcoming. And if you're if it, if it's not a tool for you, then it's and it's a shortcoming. Just know your limits. Yeah, be intentional. You know? Like be like, what am I doing? Like, what am I ingesting on Instagram? Like, go, yeah. you know, is that I don't even know. I don't have social media on my phone. So like, but I know there's that page where it's like people that you don't follow. Right. It's like, what do you, what is on oh, there? Oh, that's like, an explore page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a like, collage of. You just get stuck. Junk food. You get you get stuck, right? And but that is a reflection of what you're looking into, right. because like there's all those you know things in the yeah. social media universe of like it knows what you want to see. Right. So like look at that. Like what is it reflecting to yeah. you? Like is it reflecting a bunch of funny memes? Is it reflecting a bunch of like fitness models? Is it reflecting like uh, hate? Uh, hate? Honestly, is it reflecting like, like fire? You know, right. fire posts? Is it reflecting like motivational quotes? Is it re- like for me? It's like a bunch of like kid stuff. I feel like. <laughs> That's good. Like, yeah. What is it reflecting of you? Like that is a reflection of like what you are ingesting. Yeah. And so being intentional in that of like I have you know 15 minutes before I go to bed. Like what am I going to do? Am I going to scroll on social media and just be like, you know, post, 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 and like the you know what you're putting into is so fast. Also, or am I going to slow my brain down mm-hmm. and say I just had you know 20 calls today and I 
I need to slow down. It's a distraction, right? And if you feel distracted, it's going to really start to distort things. And uh, you know when it's distorting because you're like, okay, I don't like the way I'm just like feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And at the moment I feel that, I'm like, okay, I need to uh, balance this out. And for me right now, I'm really stepping into medicine and what medicine is. Medicine just heals, but also ails in it or puts ointment upon something that's kind of blistering or whatever, or you're preventing something to happen. And my, my medicine right now is family and really supporting that, that part of um, just the, the community with family, what it offers and everything about it just starts to water over uh, all my wounds, all of the things that don't serve me anymore. And it begins to grow you know, what I'm, what I'm planting, what that seeds am I sowing? And when you're sowing seeds and you're, you're doing all the deep work, now it's time to water it. And as you watch it begin to grow all the weeds, all the disgusting things you're not proud of, all the behavioral patterns, they will outroot or they won't outroot, but they will, they won't grow to what you're planting and sowing. And you'll watch it grow and then all this other stuff just fades away because what matters most is, is family and what you're putting your attention on. Yeah. And it's just beautiful to watch all the work I've done and all the seeds I've planted and watching them grow now. And all I have to do is water it and take care of it and tend to it. But if you don't do that, then you're going to watch it really just dissipate and rot. And it really takes a bit of tending to. And it's just a, a practice that you create for yourself, that, that, that intention. And it's, um, it's, it also is a responsibility to support a family. Yeah. You know, and, and as far as like, us as being firefighters, you know, we have this, uh, just this understanding of the role and responsibility to be there for our family, but it's like, it's so, there's so much to it and it takes a lot of, um, you know, bouncing off ideas and going to a therapist and using the soundboard to see, Hey, what am I not seeing? And then I can go into it and sit with it and discover, you know, okay, I can twist this around, remove this. And now I'm tending to this garden now. It's now it's now it can be really beautiful. And all I have mm-hmm. to do is water it. Yeah. And that work starts with yourself, right? Like you can, you yeah. can tend to your family once you start with yourself of like you, you had to invest in yourself to put into that. Um, and I think that that's true for any human is we have to, we have to invest in ourselves. We, we have to fill, we have to give from our own full cup. You yes. know, we can't, we can't yeah. give from an, an So what, what is the best tool you use or tools that you can put someone's toolbox for the therapy you provide? So this answer might be a little bit controversial, but I am actually not a huge fan of like coping skills. Um, I think that coping skills are really awesome for people. Um, I really go into some of like the, into the heart depth work of like Mm. feeling stuff, uh, which doesn't come with coping skills. You know, like when when we, when we shift how we experience our feelings and emotions, like when I can take someone from, from, let's see, I mean, like when when we can shift like anger to loneliness like that that happens on like a neurological level like Mm. we have a neuron shift in our body like that is the work that's done and so then the next time they go into let's say you know a a relationship at home or or at work or something like that they 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 notice that neuron shift of like oh this is that anger that we were talking about like Mm. And I'm sitting here in bed and I haven't talked to my partner in 72 hours. Like, I'm not angry because she hasn't contacted me. Like, I'm feeling lonely. Like, we mm. notice that neuron shift. And so I, you know, I think coping skills are great. And like, I do, you know, talk about some coping skills in in the room. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't really do that. But not that really is the how. practice going into the heart space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's unlimited. Yeah. And it, and it goes beyond logic. Yeah. And what we do is use logic to try to fix or 
decide how to yeah. how to how this problem is going to manifest in itself but yeah going into the heart space creates that unconditional love yep. that will flourish change. right yeah so i like what you're saying because if if i'm a guy who uses you know models on instagram or porn or endless pursuits of single women you know as a coping mechanism if you were my therapist you you'd say trev you're you're starved for connection. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to begin to investigate. And I would ask, how is that serving you? Like, what are you gaining from that? Like, because, you know, again, like, I, I really, yeah, try, to look at, <laughs> you know, I really like, try to look at, like, I don't want to make you feel like you're doing something wrong either. Like, you're not a bad person. You have a need. And so we meet the needs. But, like, is that need serving us? Right. And so in this case, mm. it's not because I'm addicted to porn. And so I'm missing out on the fact that, like, my wife or my partner is laying in bed and we haven't really had sex in two weeks because I've just had this instant gratification from going in the bathroom essentially right. um so that's what i would i would explore is like how are these things serving you yeah and uh, you know we we talk about the quality of of gardens that you're watering or the quality of things you know information that you're feeding yourself porn's not teaching you anything no. about connection oh god no it's not so you know john and i we were discussing when, when you first arrived before we recorded just having models models for healthy relationships mm -hmm. you know like i told you james bond was my was my dude you know <laughs> i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like you know he's just yeah. he's all about the mission yeah. and um and then leaving like there's no connection there right like yeah, he right. leaves whatever island he's on or whatever yeah. you know place it's like but that, I'm out. for some reason that resonated with me that that's his destiny to just kind of <laughs> escape yeah <laughs> yeah and so like th there's a that's the avoidant attachment right. of like, I actually don't want to get too close yeah. because I'm in a balance. Yeah. Cause vulnerability is, um, it's hard. Yeah. You know, I told you, I, I have to give myself small or not small doses, but like I would say frequent rest periods in between yeah. vulnerable uh, experiences. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, okay. So if we can acknowledge that, you know, we are starved for healthy models, you know, if we're not learning about connection and porn, if we're not learning about real authentic beauty on Instagram, because there's a lot of filters and there's a lot of like curated lifestyles that just aren't accurate reflections. Uh -huh. Where do we find these healthy models? You know, for me, like I'll, I'll say that I, I found a mentor, you know, I found, I don't have a father figure. Um, he just wasn't as someone I felt like I could learn from. And so, you know, two years ago, I reached out to a guy I really respected and he's a business owner and I worked for him a long time ago and he's got two teenage boys mm -hmm. and I love him. And I hit him up and I said, Hey, we, we haven't spoke, we haven't spoken in a long time, but I've always respected you. I've always admired. Can you join me in a commitment to learn from one another? And we mm -hmm. talk every week. You know, and so that's that's been my healthy model for like yeah. a man that I admire and I think I can learn from. But if we're, you know, if we're trying to learn about healthy relationships, uh, you know, in addition to finding a therapist who can coach you through these, where should we look? The relationship with a therapist is a model of, of healthy relationship okay. that is what that is you okay. know like the, we are an attachment figure like in our in my with my clients like we have an attachment in that way like yeah. they have trust like they they have as hopefully a secure secure attachment with yeah. me in the sense of like 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to validate you. I'm not going to make you feel like judged or, you know, I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not. And and I'm, I'm, I'm a stable, secure attachment, which that's what we all crave in our life as you're Mm. talking about. Right. And so like, yes, therapy is great, but not everybody wants to come to therapy. So a role model, a friend, you know, it doesn't have to be a family member because some of us don't have the best upbringings. Um, a lot of people don't have the, the best upbringings. And so it might, it, a lot of times it's not going to be a family member, but I mean, I'm sure you can also remember going to, you know, your friend's house and being like, wow, they do it so differently here. Like, Oh yeah. I saw you know, my friend's parents holding hands yeah, at a young age. And I thought, wow. So we, we have seen connection. it. Yeah. We've seen it. We've seen like, Oh, that's different. That feels different. Like that they, f- I can feel when I c- come into my friend's house, wow, they all sat around the table and we all had dinner. Whereas like I was just up in my room by mm-hmm. myself eating dinner. Like I liked that. I liked being connected. Yeah, Again, there's clues. There's clues always. everywhere. We can be detectives, you know, and I, I like also what you're saying as far as like your job as a therapist is to help someone find the answers within. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of freedom and empowerment that's come from Leah and I inventing a healthy relationship. We weren't modeled it, but we have an idea of how we want to feel and how we want to live and talk to one another. And so even though we haven't seen it on TV, it doesn't mean that we just can't invent it. Yeah. And so we know, we know what feels unhealthy and what feels good and and all that to... comes up through communication, right? Like yes. that didn't land with me. Like I didn't yeah. like when you did that or <laughs> right. I you know I really enjoyed that. Like I like when you do XYZ and yeah. And having clear communication around that. I think um, the key word, what Trevor is saying is liberation and freedom, because that's the key. You know, when you stop yourself from suffering and stop attaching yourself to it, you, you, learn, you learn freedom. Yeah. And what freedom means is just, just the most powerful feeling of just, I don't know, it feels so good. It does, because we're using role models as a way to learn, but at some point, you can sort of, um, you know, for me, having a model for anything is also a limitation. Mm-hmm. And so role models are inspiring, you know, and I, I love having mirrors and I love having relationships. But when you're truly liberated in this is myself and this is my life and I'm going to do things even better than how I was modeled, that feels really good yeah and we i mean we know this based on like a lot of like studies that have been done of like we actually don't need to see someone do something in order for us to know like does this feel okay or does this right. not feel okay right. you know, like we've seen this with like you know like baby monkeys where you know they put them in the cage and it's like does it feel better to be with the uh the, like the wired monkey even though they have milk mm. or the like really soft monkey with no milk it's like i want to go i want to go to the soft one yeah. like i don't need to see someone do that i don't need to see my brother or sister like where they're gonna to go like I know that I feel better when I'm in comfort when I'm safe and it's like we innately know these things like right. we innately know like what feels good for us and what doesn't feel good and that's what we have to we have to honor that you know I think that that's where mm-hmm. some of the challenges is for people is they stop honoring some of that because of like the fear because of the shame because of the like i have to show up for someone else otherwise they're going to abandon me otherwise they're going to reject me um and so we we start to kind of like suppress some of this yes i'm so glad you said that that just resonated so deeply with me because i didn't trust my inner voice for like 20 years because it was so full of fear and so when i began to liberate myself and trust love then Mm -hmm. it was like oh my god this inner voice has been trying to guide me all along yeah 
Like I hear you now and I trust you. Yep. That's crazy. And it, Haley has a daughter. Her, her name is Paisley. She's eight years old. And, uh, you know, we teach her how to trust herself mm-hmm. and how to trust her instincts and to bring that into, you know, parenting and in our, our relationship, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch, you know, cause we, we do it to ourselves. We teach, we're teaching ourselves the same stuff and we're teaching her that. And then she came home the other day cause she goes to her dad's every other weekend and she was like, mommy, there's something different here. And it's like, it's, I don't know what it is, but it's something that I just, it feels good here mm. rather than being at my dad's. And it just is really wonderful to watch, you know, that Haley and I do this work, you know, separately. And when a child can notice it and is so intuitive with uh, the child's curiosity to find just an energy in a household changes from going from just walking in, in a door. Yep. And, you know, to teach some of these things to a child is super important because it's not really taught in schools. Let's just face it, you know, but kids will bring home or they will, they'll bring shit to school that they're learning from home. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really crazy to watch. It could be really negative, it could be really positive. <laughs> and it's crazy because Paisley will also say that some kids um, will be mean to her. Mm-hmm. And um, Haley was like, well, she's probably being, you know, not having a good home life. And then uh, one time she came home and was like telling her mom, like, yeah, you're right. She's not having a good home life. Her mom's mean to her. And it's just crazy how, you know, a child is so sovereign, you know, and you can just learn from a child as well. Yeah. And by just really teaching these these beautiful things to uh, instill just uh, groundwork for yeah. building on uh, for her li- later in life, you know what I mean? And it's uh, it's hard to trust your instincts when you're not familiar with what's what's good with it, you know, and, and how it can yeah. serve you. And some of the work that like I do is, is some of that like inner child work, you know, like it, cause you were saying like, so we, a lot of people don't have necessarily the, the best upbringings. I, we, like you can do that work with yourself of like oh, going, going into like, you know, going into some of those memories of like, you know, yeah. like you on the playground by yourself, no one was playing with you. Like you were alone. So now that's like your trigger in life, right? Mm-hmm. Like is I'm going to be abandoned. Yeah. Nobody's going to want me. So, you know, we, in our present self go on, like we have a visualization. We go into the playground. We talk to that little version of you. Yeah. I love doing that. And what is that? Up. What is that little version doing right now? Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you seeing? Yeah. Sometimes people are like, I don't want to look at them. I don't want to see them. They're not there. They're they're being ridiculous. Why are they sitting in the corner? And it's like that's that's exactly what's coming out right now. Inner mm-hmm. child work is is super important. Yeah, and it's, it's all there, right? Like, like right, it's a part of you. It's a part of us. Yeah, I always I always use this uh, form of meditation, and it keeps growing with me. Is when I sit at a table and I put pieces of myself and in, in different markers of my life at the table, and I speak to them, and it's just interesting to see what comes up mm-hmm. sometimes. And a lot of times, uh, you know, it's gaining that relationship and it, it is always morphing too. Sometimes there's a marker where it's not my 16 year old self that needs help. It's a, it's the 20 year old self yeah. that needs help. Yep. And it, it's funny how things will disappear once I've done that work mm-hmm. and things will reappear when it needs more work. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I, like a I relationship. Use, I use the example with clients of like the bus sometimes of like who's driving your bus. Like on mm. your bus, you have lots and lots of passengers and all the passengers are different versions of you. Like there's a three-year-old, the seven-year-old, the 12-year-old, they're all of the versions yeah. of you. And you are typically driving the bus as your present self. But sometimes 
you become you become triggered to that seven-year-old self who's sitting on the playground by themselves feeling like they're going to be abandoned and they're driving the bus then right they're the one that's in yes. charge because i'm so fearful they're going to leave me nobody nobody cares about me i'm rejected okay so they're driving the bus like we have to we have to honor that like yeah, how does how does our present self come in and give compassion to that seven-year-old part of ourselves like we have to see them we have to be able to see them yeah one of my mentors he gave me this analogy of an airplane and a lot of times the logical mind's always driving that airplane with the heart all the way in the back seat and that's not how it works the heart is in the driver's seat and logical mind is right next to the heart and they, they work together and it's been proven through scientific studies that there's a coherence of a frequency that's accessing those parts of your being back and forth. And if they're disconnected from one another, you're not going to find that, I guess, in a part of harmony with those parts of your being that are on, if you're shoving one to the side, you're not going to gain the full experience of what you're meant to be. How are you meant to live? Yeah. We have to connect the heart and the mind. They do have a, like there's a direct connection between the two of them. Yeah. Um, And we have to honor both of those. Yeah. And I, so it's so great that we're talking about this, the, the parts of ourselves and the different ages that come up. Cause I just listened to, um, an Aubrey Marcus podcast where it's like internal family systems, mm-hmm. this form of therapy where he goes into like a guided meditation he's being approached by different ages, different, different versions of himself that want to speak up. And when we talked about shadow work, I mean, that's what this is. Yeah. If you yeah. don't want to incorporate that part of yourself, well, get ready for a lifetime of compensation. Yeah. And that's what yep. happens is we compensate for that seven-year-old who's lonely in the uh, playground, right? So actually investigating that and showing up as your pre- present self and being the person that the seven-year-old needed and approaching him with, how can I heal you so that I can incorporate you in yeah. me? Because truthfully, I don't like letting a seven-year-old drive the bus. Yeah. And my 15-year-old self, let's say, was showing up in a lot of arguments with Leah, and it was really embarrassing mm. because I'm meant to be 37 <laughs> talking to my partner. And meanwhile, this 15-year-old is like shouting and yeah. acting like very defensive and, you know, inappropriately. Yeah. So it's, it's to your service when you can identify these ages and do a little bit of investigation. And the the key is incorporating them, letting them feel safe because then it's a, it's a happy bus. Then (laughs) no one's fighting over it. (laughs) I'm picturing Chris Farley and Billy Madison right now, the best (laughs) bus driver of all time. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I, we always have to give space to those parts, and you know, like we do. This is one of this is we were talking earlier about like blocks of people do have those blocks of like I don't want to see that person. I don't want to see That's, that. That was me. You know what Leah used to say to me? Don't talk about little Trevor like that. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that just reframed a lot for me because I was basically yeah. telling him, Nah, dude, you're an embarrassment to mm-hmm. me. I'm not going to incorporate you. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, because if I do, if I do incorporate you into me, then what? Then I'm less tough. Yeah. Because my shadow was sensitive. And if I'm less tough, then. You know, yes, we, we like, I love that. We, okay, we, we like I, keep going deeper. Of like, yes. what does this mean? Like, how, how do we like really unpack some of this? Because okay. people who are, like, are resistant to that, like that's what, that's the work that we do is like, yes. okay, like I'm not going to force you to, to meet your seven-year-old. Like yeah. if you're not ready, like let's go a little bit deeper and eventually we get there, you know, and sometimes it takes a long time. Like, yes. and it's okay. Like I'm not on a time schedule. No resistance, that. no stress. Yeah. 
The, mom, the moment you push back <laughs> yeah. is the moment that you're going to receive a lot more resistance. And if you counter with that, with less resistance and receptivity, you begin to see this cycle that starts to come through. And for some reason, you think of the, I'm thinking of this nursery song, the wheels of the bus go round and round <laughs> because it's a cycle that's coming through. It's something that's, that's coming through a blockage and it's pushing into a wound, but it's because it's not having a cycle of energy coming through that's, that's being passive. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no blocks or yeah. it's trying to move away a block. And I think that my role, you know, is to like, I'm going to continue to come around to that. Like, you know, I'm going, yeah, I, you're I'm not, I'm not, I am. That's, you, you hold people <laughs> accountable. That, and I think that that's one of the, I guess, strengths you could say that I have is like, I'm like, I will notice that and I will bring it up. Oh, and that's like, a strength and, to pay attention to something and to listen and be like, okay, that's a marker. hundred percent. That's a marker. And I'm going to call you out, not call you out, but I'm going to, I'm going to, name the marker but that's the beautiful part of the relationship is you want to be with someone who holds you accountable you know your therapist holds you accountable your partner i had a uh, you know my ex-wife she let me get away with everything and it wasn't serving me but i'll be honest with you not everyone wants that from therapy no you know what i'm 37 and i'm a different person i didn't want people to call me out are you kidding me i didn't want anything besides an a plus on my report card (laughs) but now i'm just in a different space there's therapists who have different styles who aren't going to be as like okay this is i'm going to name that i'm gonna we're gonna yeah. go into that like there are and and i'm not everybody's cup of tea like i'll be honest a lot of females don't like to work with me um i work i work mainly with firefighters and all my most of my other clients are males okay um and i think because there's that directness of like we're gonna go into this like i yes i want to validate you but i i want to contain the space and i want to go into that yeah like, i I'm can gonna... see why firefighters love you because you're efficient you know what i'm saying like we go like i don't want to spend 2 hours on the side of the freeway for a rubbish fire i want to put that shit out in 10 minutes or less yeah. and and that's i like direct communication yeah. and i just want to touch on one thing because it reframed so much for me recently and it's on the subject of resistance okay so i was picturing my shadow as the sensitive kid right who was lonely and scared and the way that i reframed this in order to incorporate him was i didn't look at my shadow as representing sensitivity i looked at my shadow as representing a part of me that wasn't okay with being sensitive Mm. Mm. so not just a sensitive child but a child who didn't feel safe being sensitive yes so the way that i incorporated that shadow in me was i let him know Dude, your sensitivity is a strength. Yeah. We're just learning how to regulate it. And finding relationships that that is held, right? Like that that, that is contained. And yes. so like you have found a relationship now where it's like that is safe. Dude, like, she likes my soft side. I can be sensitive because when I am, she can hold that. Like yes. there isn't a judgment around right. that. Right. And that's what we learn. You know, like we learn, you know, as young kids, like we learn how to like navigate these things. Of like I can't be sensitive around mom because she's going to you know, whatever, or I can't, Call be me sensitive. A pussy. I, yeah. I can't be sensitive around my friends because they don't want me on their dodgeball team, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yes. Like, we learn these things right. and then it's, it's like, how is it serving us? Cool. I get to be on the dodgeball team, but now I'm 35 years old, 37 years old. And it's like, it's not serving me anymore. I'm terrified of dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have to like, you have to move into like, okay, this is not serving me. Like, no, to, you, you want all yeah. of yourself. You're a beautiful package that God put on earth. And like, <laughs> the way to incorporate all of yourself and to heal because look like whatever whatever happened in that experience for that team to pick you last for dodgeball or whatever you know what i mean that was a long time ago and there's no reason to exile 
that seven-year-old from one small experience like that. Give him another shot to be on the team. Let him know that whatever he was feeling in that moment, it's okay. And he's back on Mm -hmm. the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just got to acknowledge it. That's the key part. And allowing it to be okay. I love love discovering limiting belief systems. It's like my favorite thing to do. Because that's a lot of it is behavioral patterns that lead to what's limiting you. You're limiting yourself to something. And it came from something a long time ago. And... You know, with, with your work, I always tell people as well, like if you're going to go into something, don't overwhelm yourself, compartmentalize it. Look at your, your consciousness or the entirety of your being as like a house. And in each door, you're going to have something in there and it's going to be a lot of clutter. Whatever is in there, you got to clean it up. Yeah. Okay. And at the bottom of that rug, there's going to be a gift that's being presented to you. And with every adversity, there is a gift with every gift. There's an adversity. So you're going to keep discovering, okay, what's that limiting belief system? Okay, with, with that limiting belief system, there is a gift that I'm going to find that's going to show me my true self. And now I'm able to expand off that. And the thing with this too is like there's a lot of expansion and contraction. Mm-hmm. So when you're expanding, you're finding this aha moment. All right, now it's time to go to the next room and contract. Now it's time to go through that clutter. And once you discover this whole household of all these things you're, you've been afraid to look at all along, there's been a beautiful port, our portion of it that is giving you the next step to your evolution of self and discovering these are the most, the best parts of you and you're afraid of it all along, but why, yeah. you know, it, then it's, I think it's just, uh, uh, what hurts, you know, and, uh, going into things that hurt, it's just, you're shying away from it for a reason, but it's, it's teaching you something, you know, it's a lesson to, to, to show you a characteristic that you are really needing to embrace all along. Yeah. I noticed that I was um, lacking joy in my life, right? I was, um, let's say, let's pick a time where I was recently divorced. Okay. So I had some money and I had some freedom and, but I didn't have any joy. You know, I was able to accomplish things. I was able to take trips. I was able to, you know, stay busy, have all these activities, right? I, you know, I never, never had a dull moment, but I didn't have any joy. And it took incorporating my inner child to mm-hmm. find joy, right? Because had I not incorporated him, I would just go swim laps and say, dude, you should be faster. You should be stronger. Because when do we learn joy? Like when, do, like when you think about like when, when we learn joy, it is as a kid, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, and so if we've shut that part of ourselves off, no I wonder. shut it down so early because yeah. my family was obsessed with like, how does everything look from an outside perspective? Mm-hmm. So like if I was like playing soccer, right? I wasn't as focused on the joy of scoring a goal i was more focused on the spectators like cheering me on or Mm -hmm. or telling me like you suck or whatever i was just like really focused on that so i i had to go so far back to find joy and now feeling it and having that as a tool in the toolbox i mean as far as doing a personal inventory like if you're an adult who's okay with not having joy in your life we have some work to do, yeah. you know, just like, you know, it was, it was less depressing for me to realize that and more like, oh my God, I'm on the verge yeah. of having my life back, yeah. you know, because the way that I've sort of made peace with life is realizing that challenges are never going to end. And it's all about how I react to these challenges, yeah. you know, and if I have joy in my back pocket, fuck dude i'm more prepared on a 72 hour shift i really (laughs) am you know and all of this stuff you know like when we think about like what therapy is and you know a lot of people have this fear of coming into therapy like oh i'm gonna have to like 
what you know lay on the couch with your feet up and like that sounds nice <laughs> yeah right like i'll, I'll let I'm you sleep right i'll now. let you sleep for an hour um, no but like like there's this like idea of i have to go into all of these memories and I, what's your earliest childhood memory it's like that's not that's not how it works like all of this stuff just comes up like, i know right like you don't have to have a list of all of these like nah. injuries because it it is naturally showing up in your life in yeah. your relationships and so it's like that it just happens. Yeah. Like I don't need someone to come in and be like, this is exactly what I need to do. Or this is exactly like, that's, that's the job of me, I guess, is to like guide us through the, you know, using your metaphor, like guiding us through the rooms of the house of like, where can we go? How is this showing up in your life? And how do we, how do we go into you know, that? I'll be honest. I want to come see you. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a therapist right now. Um, you know, I, I was involved in some PTSD mm -hmm. uh, therapy about a year ago and I haven't been to a therapist, but it's it's just scratching an itch right now. It's <laughs> such a valuable tool. Yeah. It's and you know you know what's great about this is like every part of your life gets better when you invest in the relationship you have with yourself. And what I love is like Leah's my best friend, and she's my partner, and she's the mother of my son, but she's not my therapist. Yeah. And so there's a lot of benefits that come from having a conversation about you with your therapist to make room for all of the other conversations, right? Because if I'm not seeing a therapist and I'm going home and working through all this stuff, you know, and kind of like not, it's not very focused, it's not very efficient versus coming to see you for an hour a week and letting that be my anchor and like just kind of just allowing it to be a foundation it's being more efficient with my time. And that way I don't have to just go to her with all my problems, you know? I can have just normal conversations. Yeah. And she's going to have a baby pretty soon, so she's not going to have the space. I know. So and that's, no, kidding, no, no. you're absolutely right, though, because yeah. I think men are purposeful, you know? And I want to live with purpose, and my purpose is not to make her a mother, a wife, and a therapist. Yeah. Right? So I am, I am uh, responsible yeah. enough like I always say, I don't cut my own hair. Yeah. You know, yeah. I found a barber for that. Yeah. Just like I'm not trained to work through all of my emotional blocks. I'm going to find a therapist for that. Yeah. And our partners are biased in all honesty. Oh, I know. Like, she I, loves me. I, 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 great. And I, that's amazing. Like we yeah. want our partners to be our biggest support system, right? But like they're going to be biased. They are not going to necessarily be able to know all of those blocks because they're seeing us typically in the best light yeah. most of the time. I mean, yes, they know some of our injuries and things like that, but they're they're not they're not disconnected from that in that sense of like of an unbiased opinion right you know and i think that there is a big difference between that and that is you know that's a i don't know if i should use this word but like it's a burden in a way to like i expect my partner to be yeah. that person that that carries all of that for it me is. like that's a lot like yeah. that is heavy um and and also like the role that you guys are in like that 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 reverse that your partner expects you to carry that after you just worked a 120. I'm so glad you said that. That has been the most helpful tool in my success in a relationship is reversing the roles. Yeah. So I used to, you know, my ego used to tell me like, Trev, you're the best, dude. You're fucking perfect. You know, like and I would say, you know, I would say things that I didn't see anything wrong with until I started imagining what if she said that yeah. to me? How would that make me feel? One time, okay, when we first got pregnant, Leah woke up and she was like, do you realize how many Instagram models you follow? And I was like, uh, I don't think it's that many. And she was like, no, it is. And I deleted it all. And we talk about ingesting quality material yeah. and feeding yourself wholesome, you know, beliefs and, you know, like growing as a person and being more 
disciplined, there was one of the best moves I ever did. I didn't need that distraction in my life, you know? Yeah. And and that's that's the beauty of having uh, an alternative perspective that you respect and trust because I didn't see anything wrong with it. And then I benefited from cleaning up my diet. Yeah. You know, I put yeah. I, she became the center of my attention. And and I didn't see anything wrong with just sharing my attention with just random people, but then you take that away and you start seeing the focus that you have and the 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 one honored and chosen and sacred recipient of your life force and love and holy shit. I mean, she's not the only one benefiting from that. Yeah. I benefit from yeah. that. And your kid will too. You know, the best thing, we, like we know this, like the best thing you can give your kid is a strong relationship. Yes. I'm so, honestly, I'm so excited to show him what true love looks like. Yeah. And a lot of that too is like, uh, you, may, you make a choice, right? And yeah. Like, and you can do all these things. And if your behavior doesn't reflect it, what's the fucking point? You're yeah. absolutely right. I love that, dude. I love, dude, I, you know, just even this podcast holds me accountable mm-hmm. because I'll be at the the hospital, you know, and there's like five rescues in the ambulance bay. And, you know, part of me, that victim, right, he'll <laughs> creep up and someone's asking, how was your night? You know, and I want to be like, dude, it fucking sucked. We had five after. But instead, I make the choice to to show what it feels like to have a positive attitude and to inspire because if i say that to all these rescues yeah five after fuck this job what am i doing i'm passing on some of my disappointment i'm passing on my frustration so the choice of choosing to reframe dude it was challenging but here we are yeah and i think there's room for both too right? right like i think that there's room for like i'm freaking exhausted but the sun shining like and i'm you know or whatever like whatever it it, you can be like there's you know there's that they're called like dialectics of like it there can be both like both can be true there can be two rights there can be two rights you know like a silly example is like it's you know it's snowing in july it's like it's yes but how is that possible like yes i am exhausted but i still am like experiencing joy like we can we can hold room for both of those because we don't we also don't want to suppress one right like we can't just we can't just be connected to one if there is both we can honor both of them and there's room for both of them and i think what's difficult for people is to be in both i can i can be exhausted absolutely and i can be feeling joy right now i can be exhausted and i can be looking forward to xyz you know whatever it may be like there's truth in both here's what i do a little differently nowadays okay so the other day i slept like one hour and then we got up early to go to a usar drill and i was suppressing some sort of fatigue and like frustration but i recognized that that audience wasn't for me to unload on so i did a cold plunge Mm -hmm. as soon as i got back to the station and so i wasn't suppressing it i was validating my feelings but i took responsibility for my feelings and Mm -hmm. that's what i'm all about now is venting is helpful but you don't need to vent on every single person in the room, no. right? So if that person is your best friend and you trust them, go ahead and vent to them. Because yes, appropriateness, right? Yes, like exactly. what's appropriate. Exactly. And they're going to help you with yeah. a solution. But just venting on some other dude who's holding the wall? Yeah. What the fuck? That's irresponsible. Yeah. yeah. That's why a lot of the messages are meant to like, you know, find your anchor. What anchors you in? Because when you have a deep, deep anchor the circumstances will not push you aside as much. But if you are, you're not rooted in very well, 
you know, that's where you're going to find a little bit of more of the upheaval. Then you're, you're finding yourself in a messy situation with yourself and your consciousness. Yeah. And another thing too, is like stack your treatments. You know, if, if therapy is not, not there for you, or if it's not your thing, you know, find your other things, but stack them. You know, I stack so many things to make sure I have my own medicine bag. And I changed my perspective on, on what could be medicine like family. You know, I find that to be one of my, my main key points mm-hmm. that anchors me in because it allows me to discover, you know, what doesn't push me aside, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and then I can make that relationship with myself. And I only found this through an injury that I had to bounce back from because yeah. not one thing helped. I had to do a bunch of things that was able to build a, a better foundation for myself in order to, to recover. And, you know, if you establish yourself certain anchor points for yourself too it's gonna you know if you don't have anything else going on right now that's good because you're gonna find the best parts of yourself right here right now when nothing else is wrong or if you're not having a a challenge at this time but when those challenges come that's when it really uh it's gonna gratify you and your and your productivity of yourself yeah um and then you're gonna be there to hold that space for other people too at the same time and the people are gonna look up to you and that's what we want to do too is like we want to establish more role models within our department because it's important. And when you can have someone go to you and and you know unload all this shit that's going on in their life, they trust you and that means something. Mm-hmm. And it's just a a beautiful facet to, you know, start something like this too in a podcast to have people like listen, you know, and just say, you know, it helps them. You know, and it's it's becoming an anchor point for other for other people. You know, just to listen in and yeah. uh, discover. You know, and that's why we have so many different guests too. You have all these different perspectives, all these different medicines that could help. Yeah, and I know we started with this is like is knowing that there's resources. I think for that, sure. you know, that's what's been so powerful in like this podcast is like offering different resources of like something's not going to land for someone. You right. know, like breathwork might not land for you, and right. it's like that's cool. That's fine. But maybe Cambo will, or maybe that doesn't land for you. And maybe changing your diet does, or maybe the yoga does, or maybe therapy does, you know, like there's so many different resources that people, you know, the more, you know, hopefully the more you guys do this, the more exposure that you get of like just offering that, like people sometimes don't even know, like they don't even know that there's resources. Yeah. And if nothing lands for you, that's an issue too. Yeah. If you're so burned out and beat down and low, low vibration, then yeah, Let's do something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like be open. That's what I'm saying right now is if nothing's landing for you and you're feeling really burned out and every day at work is just in full of people suck and I hate people, then let's take a look at that. Yeah. You know, let's try and be compassionate too. You're in a bad place and we have help, you know? Yeah. And that's a choice. Yeah. You want to sit there. That's, that's on you. You yeah. know, there's a willingness to it. Like we, we were talking about like that willingness to change your behavior and the power of choice is the most important part of this equation. Yep. And you know, if people who are suffering in silence, there's a reason for that yeah. and because there's no willingness and there's a lot of fear attached to it as well because they're afraid of what, of who they are yeah. sometimes and what's under the rug, but to discover there's a gift there. Well, that's a good insight. You know, you can really use that. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot for, our line of work and being a first responder, it, it's and seeing my own past behavior. It's because I was afraid yeah. of the truth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I also want to like acknowledge the fact like you guys are in a really tough industry and like LAFD specifically is 
worked like they are worked worked and so what do you mean by that like the call volume yeah you mean yeah. like your guys's call volume is like really high and i mean we look at other departments like you look at new york you look at chicago like i I think it's like, you know, their ratio from is like one to like 750 um, in regards to like oh, their, one their, first responder to, to how many to, civilians to the population. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like in L.A., it's like one to I think like almost 1200. Like, And I know all 1200 personally. And I, <laughs> I send them cards. Yeah. Christmas cards of, yeah. of how your life exactly. is. <laughs> here's why to call and here's why not to call. Yeah. But, you know, from I, the Grinch. There's, there's this, you know, element of like you guys are really, really worked. And so like I also want to acknowledge that like some people don't actually have the space, right? Like they yeah. are barely surviving. And like, I want to like, that is also okay. Like yeah. when you, when you, when you get to that point where you want to create a little bit of space, call me, call Hugo, yeah. call Alejandro, you right. know, you know, meet someone where they're at. Like when you create a tiny bit of space for yourself to, to like take a breath from the water, like that's where we can go. But yeah. You have to be ready to do that. Like, absolutely. I think a lot of it is speaking to, you know, your peers. And that's become a huge uh, segue into, you know, self-discovery and self-healing because you feel like no one relates except for the people who work in your field. And that may be the best option. And then if you meet someone who's been doing their own work and they'll say, hey, we'll try this, you know, this might help. And we've just noticed that that's like the number one thing people go to when they're tired of being tired and tired of being in hurt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, the outreach is reach out to your peers because they, you know, we don't know, we don't know all the answers, but what we do know is how to relate. And we've all been there. We've all been through burnout. We've all had those calls that keep us up at night. And that's the message here is to reach out to those people first, you know, because we do understand and we know how it feels and it sucks. And shifting that culture, I think too, like shifting the culture of like, it's okay for me to tell you that like, that was rough. And like, having that be okay rather than like oh yeah that was a rough call like moving on like we have to like no like let's actually talk about some of this i know that that's what like the peer support is or about of like mm-hmm. giving the space to that yeah. um there's a lot of culture right now that's a limitation right so it's okay to bitch mm-hmm. all day at the kitchen table but it's not okay to say that that pediatric arrest fucked me up yeah i mean what so yeah. we're reframing a lot yeah so you're a very valuable resource and i feel like we're kind of coming up on time uh yeah okay so (laughs) is there anything else you wanted to get into or can i just tell people how to find you blow up your phone (laughs) you're funny uh no i mean there i don't really i didn't come in with like i need to talk about all these things i know your shit sells itself i mean all these members that are going to you are just they're really speaking very highly of you and after meeting you i mean i told you i kind of want to sit down with you so (laughs) i know one of my clients was like texting you in session as i was like told them i was gonna i was like don't text them i was like they're gonna think i'm a weirdo or something (laughs) no i honestly i discovered initially that your intention was to help yeah i think that you have found an industry that you're drawn to and like you said you have mostly male clients and out of that male population a majority of them are firefighters yeah so I think that we were put in touch for a lot of different reasons, and I'm so happy that you came on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, Pleasure. So how can we uh, explain to people listening how to find you? Um, I mean, the easiest way is probably... I don't even actually know if my website has my phone number. Hopefully it does. But 
I mean, calling me, text, you can also, you could text me. You can just shoot me a text. A lot of times people are more comfortable just shooting a text being like, this is, this is who I am. I want to set up an appointment. Yeah. Let me know what shift you're on. And I will do my best to try to work or work with that. Um, I'm in the office Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, typically. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. And you are living in Redondo, but your office is in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. So my office is in Manhattan. Super central to so many guys. Yeah. And I typically, like I said, I don't typically do zoom i definitely don't do zoom for initial sessions i love um, that why uh just because i feel like i want i want to know the energy yeah. and sense the energy um i mean i just i had a client the other day who was like we were talking about some stuff and they just like shifted their their legs in a funny way and i was like something just happened like let's go into that yeah. and there was a lot of power in that it's like i didn't i wouldn't have seen that in zoom and it's right. and i feel like our body communicates so much to us and it's like in zoom you only see like you know whatever like maybe their neck up or shoulders up and it's like there's yeah. so much that's happening and so much that i feel like i pick up on in 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 the body in the room um uh, <laughs> as he straightened up yeah. no i love it because i saw a therapist for six months over zoom and i hated it yeah i don't love it i really i'm i'm not a technology person either and so i'm like i can't even get zoom to work half the time i'm yeah. like what do i do here See, i like the zoom therapy calls oh really i, mean, I get to be at home and but i also open up way more hmm. no matter that's what that's true so yeah. you're so well versed in it it's different yeah but at the same time yeah, it, for me, it was just a bit more comfortable. Yeah, and some, for some people, it's more convenient. Um, and like I said, like you know, you got to fit someone that works for you. Yeah. And it's like if you prefer to see someone on Zoom, like I do do Zoom uh, sessions or whatever, but it's definitely not my preference. I don't love it, but I will do it if I have to. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so my what is your is, website? Yeah, my website I think is is daniellabora.com. <laughs> you want me to confirm that really <laughs> quick? I don't know. I had a baby a couple years ago, and so I haven't like updated all of these things. Honestly, like the word of mouth has been what has been giving me a lot of clients. Is I, just, I believe I, it. I get a lot of clients through. Your clients love you. They just give my phone number to someone, and yeah. then they daniellabora dot com. So okay. D a n i e l l a b o r a h dot com. Cool. Yep. And they can, I think that my phone number is on there. You can send me an email through there. And if my phone number is on there, you can call or text whatever is easiest. So. I love it. Well, yeah. everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the continued support. Uh, please follow along at grab lives underscore podcast on Instagram. And Daniela, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.